there's a lot of hesitancy around buying hearing aids. And so when I think about CRM, my main mission is to shorten that seven-year time frame. How can I get hearing aids on people in a shorter time frame than that seven-year average? And so we use CRM in a very unique way in the sense that our paid team really focuses on acquiring new contacts. Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to the one-to-one consumer marketing podcast. Today I'm speaking with Nadine Fuller, Senior Director of CRM and Customer Activation at Here.com. Thanks for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me on the show, Max. So for the folks that don't know, Here.com is the fastest growing hearing aid company in the world. It, it grew from just two people to over a thousand and it was founded in 2012. So helping people to finally hear again the world, that's an exceptional and a very exciting mission. Nadine, have what a great day to have you on the show. But before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, and how you ended up in your current role? Yeah, absolutely. So I've definitely taken a couple of turns in my career, but I've been in marketing for the last 15 years and focused on marketing within client services. So I started off in the performance advertising agency world. Back before there was Facebook advertising, I was hands-on keyboard doing paid search, typing out keywords and matching ad copy to keywords and doing everything very, very manually before we had a lot of algorithms to help us along our way. But it was a really good experience. Got that kind of hands-on experience running marketing campaigns for a variety of different businesses, as well as in different industries. So B2B, retail, e-commerce. After that, I got the opportunity to join a startup agency called Metric Theory. And that was a really exciting opportunity. I built out their account services team. I managed all of the clients out of our office and spent about seven years building that business which we then sold to S4 Capital and Metric Theory kind of became part of Media Months. So after that, I took a bit of a break and decided my whole career I'd focused on acquisition marketing. And I really knew very little about what happens after you acquire a customer. How do you actually retain them and grow the business? And so I decided I wanted to learn more about that part of marketing. And I joined a startup tech company called Lean Plum, where we focused on mobile first companies and various CRM channels, SMS, email, in-app, push, et cetera. And there I was on the customer success team guiding larger enterprise clients through their CRM strategy, which was really how I was able to finally kind of connect the two pieces of marketing. After that, I spent two years at Deloitte putting that kind of all together and working with enterprise level customers on their paid and retention advertising, and then recently decided to go in-house. So that was a big change for me after being in client services and really an exciting change. When Here.com came across, I was really excited to work with a company that has a product that helps people. That was really important to me. I need to feel like the marketing I'm doing is actually (laughs) doing something good for the world. And with Here.com, I think they have a really interesting business model. And it's a big problem, right? There's 1.5 billion people worldwide who have hearing loss and 40 million Americans alone. So there's a huge market to improve people's hearing. And so what I do at Here.com is I run our CRM, primarily channels that we work on our email and SMS. But I work very closely with the paid team, the product and the creative team to really help grow the business. That's very cool. And going in-house, as you described it, how was that change for you? I mean, you have worked with a lot of customers before, as you know, uh, Lean Plum and Deloitte, but how is it when you go 
in-house? Yeah, I was hesitant at first, but honestly, I really love it. I love being able to just focus on one marketing strategy and really dive a level deeper than what you can really do when you're serving multiple clients at a time. So I really have the time to think through the problems and the solutions that I want to implement. And I have a great, great team that I can work with that we can really look into the data and use that data to make decisions and then do testing and see how what that test does and actually see it through, which sometimes you don't really get to do when you're on the other side and you're in client services. So it's been a really great career change for me. That's good to hear. So that's hopefully encouraging also for others to sometimes make a bigger change in their career and switch sides to either go from brand to vendor or the other way around. I think both can be very exciting and brings a full new perspective. But looking a little bit deeper into here.com and how you work in CRM, how do you leverage CRM for your customers? Yeah, so I think at here.com, we have a really interesting problem to solve with CRM. So we are selling a product that people really need, but a lot of people don't actually want. <laughs> so it's a, it's a <laughs> marketing challenge, right? And with hearing loss, it's difficult because on average, when someone notices their hearing loss, it takes them seven years to actually buy a hearing aid. So seven with years. CRM, wow. seven years, yep. Partially that's because hearing loss is very gradual, so you may not notice it right away. There's also a lot of stigma around wearing hearing aids and aging. A lot of people think of kind of those big bulky hearing aids that your grandpa wore. So there's a lot of resistance to getting hearing aids. And also in the U.S., not necessarily covered by insurance, so it can be a big investment, right? So there's a lot of hesitancy around buying hearing aids. When I think about CRM, my main mission is to shorten that seven-year time frame. How can I get hearing aids on people in a shorter time frame than that seven-year average? So we use CRM in a very unique way in the sense that our paid team really focuses on acquiring new contacts, right? And a lot of times when those new contacts come into here.com, they have a call with our consultant, but they're not quite ready to make that commitment yet. And so that's when they come into the CRM machine. And that's how we then use CRM to try to reactivate that lead by educating the contacts, really trying to nurture them along their journey to addressing their hearing loss. That's so interesting. So you polling, but you shortening the seven years to, I don't know, two years, three years, one year, or whatever it is, as you described it so well, that people actually need it. But most of the time for marketers, it's the other way around, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's very interesting. But how do you communicate that to the people? Because I have the feeling, I thought you're going to need it if you have hearing loss, you have hearing loss. So what are you going to do? So just making that up, it's then the communication around, so... Hey, Max, you can really hear anything at the dinner table? Really? Can you hear anything, right? So how is it going with you? Want to postpone the decision a little longer or you want to buy now and be a full member of the family again? Or how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a delicate yeah. subject, right? And in terms of the communication, you have to be very conscious about how you're communicating that. When I think about the way that we communicate, I first think about the general principle, like who am I communicating? So we have a lot of data on our contacts. And we try to segment that data based on different similarities and behavior, et cetera. So we can then figure out how do we speak to someone who is brand new to a hearing aid where we're trying to shorten that seven-year time frame. We also have a lot of people that already have a hearing aid, but they're not happy with it. And so we're trying to get them to then purchase a hearing aid through here.com. So two very different segments, we need to talk to them very differently, right? So 
we do a lot of that kind of segmentation, even between like male and female, we've noticed there's a lot of difference in terms of how you can convey why hearing aids are important and what's important to different people. So we first start with obviously the segmentation, then we think about what kind of content makes sense. And a lot of times it's very educational based. Why is it important to address your hearing loss, right? There's a lot of scientific data around don't address your hearing loss. It can lead to dementia and other kind of brain functioning. And so there's a lot of information out there that we just try to communicate and share. And then we think, of course, which channel, right? And so whether or not someone is more perceptive and likes to get that communication via email or SMS, we adapt there. And then we think about timing, right? And so when someone first signed up with here.com, we know that they're interested and there's something there. So we really try to send out more communication after a while, if they still haven't committed, then we say, okay, let's just stay top of mind, right? Let's reach out once a month or every two weeks and just stay top of mind so that when maybe something external in their life happens where they're like, okay, I really need to do something about my hearing loss, they remember here.com and they come to us. Very interesting. You have a very technical background, right? Or fairly technical background. You know the tools quite well. You work on the other side. When you think about channels and segments, how would you activate this? Has that helped you in doing that or you have to relearn a little bit because you're now fully responsible on the other side how's that for you personally yeah i mean definitely when you go in-house you do have to go a level deeper than when you're on the consulting and client services side so i've definitely had to learn quite a bit and we're also actually migrating to a new esp so we're migrating over to braze right now so there's a lot of technical and data work that's happening right now within my team but it's all very exciting. And I think at the end of the day, every tool is obviously has pros and cons, but I think you just have to stick with the general marketing principles that apply really to paid or retention, which is you think about who do you want to contact? What do you want to send them? What channel are you using? And when are you going to interact with them? That kind of strategy applies to any tool that you're utilizing. Mm -hmm. What's for you when you, you mentioned the stigma is hard to, to overcome that, you know, basically prolongs the sales cycle. What other challenges do you currently see in also in the industry when it comes to managing these channels and getting this message across? Yeah, I mean, I do think the landscape has really changed, especially when I think about when I first started and there was just a few advertising and marketing channels. Today, there's a plethora of channels and partners that you can choose from in the acquisition space and that retention space. And I think it's a challenge because the way that we segment, the way that we target, the way that we display content or ads, it's constantly evolving. And the underlying algorithms for all these channels are constantly changing. And so it's hard to be an expert in all these different channels. So I think that's really, for any marketer, is a challenge. At the same time, I also feel like there's more opportunity than ever before to find that winning combination of channels and partners that you can utilize to grow your business. There's no one playbook that works for everyone, right? I've worked with so many different clients and you really have to adapt to the business and see what can work. And a lot of that means testing, right? So I'm a big believer in testing out different partners, testing out different channels to see what is going to work and what can I scale and grow. And also just knowing that even if I find something that works, it might change by the next year. So I'm going to have to continue adapt my strategy and my channels. And I think for CRM specifically, most CRM marketers are obviously still doing email. A lot of CRM is now going into SMS. I have noticed that with here.com, they started with SMS before I started. I've been with the company for about a year and it has been our largest channel, but I'm starting to see it become more competitive, even compared to one to two years ago. 
I see a lot more companies utilizing that channel. So it's a little bit harder to stand out in the SMS space than it maybe was a year or two ago. And then we're a global company in other countries. We also use WhatsApp Messenger for communication as well. So I think that's kind of an interesting channel that we haven't explored in the U.S. yet. But yeah, there's always more to test out. (laughs) Very interesting. Why do you think SMS became the largest channel for you, especially in the U.S.? Yeah, our demographic are are baby boomers, and it seems that SMS really resonates with them. It's an easy way for us to stay top of mind. Obviously, with SMS, it is a bit more invasive than emails. It's a delicate balance, right? You don't want to send too much. You don't want to be too invasive. But we try to find a way where we still stay top of mind, and we generally just see higher lead reactivation from SMS than we see on the email side. Understood, understood. For you, it becomes a lead when someone submitted their data and have spoken to consultant, or is it just the submission of data? When does it for you a lead becomes a lead and you take over from the performance team? Yeah, yeah. So basically the way it works is we have the paid team will bring in the leads. They'll maybe have a conversation with the sales consultant. If that doesn't work out, they become a contact in CRM. And then on the CRM side, we look to reactivate them back into a lead so that they then can talk to a sales consultant. And then ideally, they have an appointment, which is when their hearing device is fitted. They have a 45-day trial, try the hearing aid, and then we turn it into a sale. So ultimately, with CRM, I'm driving sales, but the primary KPI, the first step KPI is that lead. Interesting, interesting. I mean, there you drive the majority of the business. You are at the core of the business. That's a lot of responsibility. And I know that talking to a lot of CRM leaders, that sometimes weighs heavily on the shoulders, right? But aside from that, are you also responsible for, I would say, classic CRM, which is selling another hearing aid? Because sometimes you might need a new one. Or how do you think about loyalty for a customer mm-hmm. lifetime value? Yeah, definitely. So that's still a very important piece at here.com. I think anyone that's running a business where you have a product that lasts quite a long time, it's a different game. So no one is buying a hearing aid every month. Hearing aids should last you three to seven years. There are a lot of very big technology leaps with hearing aids about every three to five years. So there are some people who wanting the next Apple iPhone want the next hearing aid with the newest tech. So there are some subsets of people who will buy more frequently, but generally three to seven years is how long a hearing aid will last. So for us there, the challenge is one, there's very little brand recognition in the hearing aid space, right? There's not really one brand that people know about. And so when someone purchases from us, really our challenge is to stay relevant for three to seven years until they're ready to purchase another hearing aid. That strategy is something that we're still trying to fine tune and figure out, like, how do we stay relevant without being bothersome over such a long period of time? And what kind of content can we provide that's helpful for the customer and then keeps it relevant so that when they are ready to upgrade or get their next hearing aid, they come back to hear.com. So we do use email and SMS for those purposes as well. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. When you think you're describing a little bit what comes next, what excites you in 24 about Here.com and your work? Yeah, absolutely. So Here.com is rapidly growing. And like I mentioned, there's a huge market for hearing aids. And really, our mission is to just get the solution out there. So to me, that's a great problem to have, right? So there's a lot of people that need my product. So I'm always excited about expanding, getting more hearing aids on people. I'm also very excited about our Braze migration. So we should be fully migrated by next year. 
And there's a lot of really cool AI tools that I'm very excited and eager to start using. I think from my perspective, the AI tools will just allow my small team to be able to do more with less time. And so some of the technologies I'm excited about is there's AI for content, for QA. They also, Braze has a lot in terms of like automated experiments. So I can run a lot more multivariate tests on content and timing and channel all at the same time with a lot less manual work than my team currently does. And so I think that allows us to just learn a lot faster and get better quicker. I'm so very excited about implementing and actually using those tools in 2024. That's very cool. I like that very practical view on this to say, okay, I want to do this and that. And so because I hear AI obviously a lot, that makes total sense. That's a big game changer for every marketer, but very concrete running the different tests without the manual work that comes with that. I think that's a very, very interesting. How big is your team? I have about seven people on my team. So it's a mix of developers and strategists. And then we work very closely with the creative team as well. I mean, there's so much responsibility on all of these, <laughs> these shoulders. That's amazing. You're now a leader in CRM. You described your career, which is really impressive. But what kind of advice do you have for other consumer marketers that maybe would like to work in the health technology, but also what do you know now that you wish you knew at the start of your career that you're willing to share? Yeah, I love this question. For me, anytime I talk to someone who's maybe brand new to marketing, like a recent college grad or someone who's just trying to get into marketing, I usually always recommend starting at an agency or in consulting. And the reason for that is that you learn at such a rapid pace when you're in those environments because you're working with a lot of different experts and you're working on multiple businesses at a time. So you're just going to grow your knowledge so much quicker because you can see how a paid channel or a CRM channel works for a retail client versus a B2B client. And even within retail, there's nuances, right? So I think getting a couple of years in those type of environments can really help accelerate your career. The next thing is don't be afraid to test. And I think I see that a lot, especially more on the client services side where we don't want to run a test that doesn't end up working out. So people shy away from it a little bit. But to me, there is no such thing as a failed test, right? As long as you set up a test where you have a solid hypothesis, you have a solid set up and you actually have data and you know how you're going to measure the test, any test you do, even if it doesn't work, there's always something that you can learn from that test. Why did that app copy fail? Why did that timing not work for this email, et cetera? So there's always just so much to learn. And that's really how you can accelerate whatever marketing program that you're running is through testing. And then I would say the last thing is just marketing is rapidly changing. When I think about what I did 10 years ago, where I was manually creating keywords and getting up at midnight to like start a Black Friday campaign manually <laughs> from okay. to now where all of that is automated at this point. It's really changing. And so if you want to work in marketing, you have to be very adaptable and agile and not rely on your current knowledge, but really try to constantly understand what's happening and rapidly learn to stay on top of things. Yeah, I really like that, that going into agencies or into consulting, I think is a very, very good one. Never, never shy away from testing. If you have a good data and a hypothesis why you're doing that, and last but not least, stay on top of your game. How do you manage that to stay on top of the industry news and so on? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's some pretty good email marketing newsletters that syndicate marketing news. So I subscribe yeah. to a couple of those and I can just get like 10 minutes of what's happening in marketing in the morning. So I try to stay on top of those. We do attend different conferences, et cetera, to stay on top of mm -hmm. news as well. And then I think generally, again, like from testing, you'll learn a lot as well along the way. <laughs> That's very true. I can say for myself that I would probably, I recommend to subscribe to Marketing Brew. That's mm -hmm. a good one, I would say. Yeah. And I scroll way too much on Twitter or X now, I would say, and that's still the same. But yeah, also conferences help along if you have a good plan of what you would like to get out of that. Mm -hmm. Nadine, thank you so much. That was, uh, that was a really great conversation, but it's all we got time for today. But if people would like to follow your journey, where should they go? Probably best place is LinkedIn, Nadine Fuller. Yeah. <laughs> Very easy to find me. Yeah. Okay. Then we put that into the show notes and we almost there at this, I would say happy, happy holidays. I mean, when people hearing that, that's probably February, but still saying that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining us here on that podcast. And we love to see you executing further and your vision. Thank you so much for having me, Max. I appreciate it. Thank you.